Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? series called The Christian Checklist. It's under our Spiritual Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. God told Joshua something in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that I believe most Christians overlook. You see, Joshua had been given the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land to possess it. And God was giving him some last minute instructions before they set off. So picture yourself as the commander in chief. How would you as the commander in chief instruct your army general who is heading out to the battlefield? I'm sure most of us would be looking over battle strategy, tactics, and so forth. However, God's last departure instructions to Joshua seem to be both ironic and iconic. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that this book of the law 
shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this book day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in this book, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The book of the law that God was referring to wasn't a book containing fighting instructions and battle tactics. No. The book of the law was a combination of God's moral laws, civil laws, and sanitary laws. Interesting, right? I think so. However, I want to draw our attention to these specific phrases used by God in verse 8. He said, the law. Now, today, to ask Christians, this means God's instructions. Then he also said, meditate day and night. This is a suggestion of a daily routine. Practice remembering these laws. Meditate them. Ponder them. He also said, observe to do all of it. Put, it in, put them into action. Put God's statutes into action daily. Then by, do, by doing all the above, it's inevitable that whatever you do, you will prosper and have good success. Whether it's a business relationship, romantic relationship, mental health, finances, leadership, physical health, you name it. Just like Joshua was guaranteed good success in possessing a foreign land, likewise God guarantees us good success if we meditate and do all of his statutes. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that, But understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And Peter also told the scattered believers around the world to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. With this in mind, and the awareness of the times that we currently live in today, as a Christian, you can no longer afford to just wake up and dash out of the door. You need to remind yourself daily that you are like a soldier going out to the battlefield and whether or not you get back home to your family depends on the kind of armory that you go out with on the battlefield. Whether you like it or not, accept it or not, as a Christian out in the world today, you need to be thoroughly equipped before you encounter the day. In fact, I like to think of it as it's kill or be killed. So the Christian checklist is just a guide that you can use to stay sharpened and well-rounded in the different areas of your Christian walk. The Christian checklist will help you cover your spiritual blind spots. We hope this series blesses your heart. So open up your heart and mind and let's dive in. Cause the light has shown us No fear's big enough to own us We were never meant to fit in these folders Know this, I ain't scared of these poses Over time we all face opponents They thought they could mess with this focus They forgot the end of the climb's the coldest Know this, life's a battlefield of moments Hold this We are and no one hears We persevere As we approach the line We march through all those fears That kept us here Walls, you can't hold us. If we just keep running away, we'll never make it alive. Till we stand and we fight, aim fire and blow it away. We're storming enemy lines, leaving no one behind. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
tuning in to the pre-show. Welcome back to episode six of the Christian Checklist. We are talking about how we should start being methodical about our Christian believers walk of faith. And just like people who work in very high risk environments, likewise, based on the biblical timeline of the end times, we should see to it that we have all our bases covered. It's easy for us to get too comfortable in the paths of our Christian walk that don't really stretch us and end up paying very little attention to the other areas of our Christian walk. And this can create blind spots and weak links in the chain of our armor. So the Christian checklist is just a tool we can use to to do routine tune-ups in different areas of our believers' walk of faith. And the checklist, what I believe is the parent checklist that we have been looking at is the seven muscles of Christianity. The seven muscles of Christianity. Now, I did capture, I, I, I did realize that I left out one of the, uh, in one of the tandems, I'd left out one of the power muscles. So I talked about prayer. These were, these are the seven muscles, the water God. I mentioned the water God was, was number one. I mentioned prayer, but I'd left out fasting and I was reminded they are prayer and fasting, those go together. So the second muscle is prayer and fasting. Uh, the other one is the third is meditation, confession, praise, uh, praise, worship, and thanksgiving. That's also a muscle on its own, generosity, and then writing, journaling, and remembrance. So this is what we've been talking about. And briefly, just to recap, how these work is the first one, the word of God. The word of God is the foundation of everything. As we say, it's the core upon which all these, the remaining six muscles work. It's the spiritual food and fuel for all other muscles to function. Because even scripture says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And then Further down, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among man. So everything we see in this universe started from the word. So you need to know the word of God. That's the key muscle. You need to exercise it. I'm just going to quickly run, run through all seven muscles just to do a quick recap. And then we shall kind of touch in more detail, expound on each and every one of these muscles. Prayer and fasting. Prayer initiates communication with the headquarters, but all of prayer communication has to be based on the word of God. Heaven only understands the word of God. The only language they speak and understand is the word of God. So all prayer communication that is outside the word of God is just noise. If you don't speak the word of God, angels don't move. The only thing they know to do or to respond to is the word of God. So your prayers, your confessions, everything has to be the word of God. Now, prayer, in order to give prayer, your prayers a flame, you need to add fasting. So prayer and fasting go together. So some seasons you need to be applying prayer and fasting. You need to be exercising prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. We all know in scripture it says this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting, though some translations only had, only say this kind comes not out by prayer, but this kind comes on, comes not out, but by prayer and fasting. So 
What does fasting do? In brief, fasting gives your prayers a flame. Your words have more spirit in them. Fasting, what fasting will do is it will, it will cut through the flesh. It, it's almost like it pulls back the flesh. It subdues it. It quietens the soul. Fasting quietens the soulish realm. You know, the, 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 your thoughts, your, your emotions, your feelings. Fasting quietens the soul so that your spirit can hear God's spirit clearly. Remember, you communicate with God's spirit to spirit, so your soul can get in the way of your spirit, where your soul, your feelings, your emotions, all your thoughts, uh, there's too much noise in that part of, 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 your, of your being. So fasting can quieten your soul so that your spirit can hear God's spirit clearly. But, but, but as I said, fasting, because when you fast, you become more spirit than flesh. Because when, when you start fasting, you're invoking the spirit, you're invoking the spirit engine to override the flesh engine. Right? So fasting quietens the flesh. And it's almost like you, you, you now start to operate more by spirit instead of by flesh. So fasting quietens the soul and your spirit can hear God's spirit clearly. Prayer without fasting isn't enough. And likewise, fasting without prayer is just a hunger strike or a diet. So if you are a believer and you go on fasting, I, I, yeah, it, fasting without prayer is just a hunger strike or it's just a diet. So if you go on a fast and you're not praying, seeking and interceding and, and pressing in with prayer and reading the word of God, it's just a hunger strike. So make sure that when you when you're gonna do a fast, make sure that you are camping your fast with prayer and with a lot of word of God, but a lot of prayer. Because that's the moment when your spirit is in touch with God's spirit. The, 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 the connection is, 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 is very key. It's very, the connection there is very, um, there's no interference with your connection. You know, you have a very clear signal between your spirit and God's spirit. So make sure that when you go on a fast, if you're not praying, you've wasted that fast. So before you go on a fast, make sure that you've allocated and scheduled that you're going to pray um, fervently. That's how this works. Then the muscle number three is meditation. And we say meditation conceives the word of God because it's intimacy with the word of God. Meditation creates intimacy with the word of God. The word know in scripture actually is more about intimacy, intercourse, and the man knew his wife. So meditation gives you intercourse with the word of God. And once you have intercourse with the word of God, um, revelation is conceived. So once you know, once you become intimate with the word of God, revelation knowledge is conceived. And so meditation is what turns the word of God from just information in your mind into revelation in your spirit. And then once you have revelation in your spirit, it ignites actions of revolution. And then your life starts to change because you start to do different things. You're transformed. Okay, muscle number four is confession. We're just doing a review here. Confession is very key because confession releases the faith in us. The scripture says, with the heart mind believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So in other places, it also says, we believe, so we speak. Right? It says, hold first the confession, your confession, which has great recompense of reward. 
confession is is how you release power, is how you release faith. We can only release our faith by confessing it. And confession is how we put the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, into action. Ephesians talks about uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, how do you use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God? It's our only weapon that we use to attack all the other, all the other parts of the armor, the full armor of God, are more for defense. The weapon that you have to attack the enemy is the sword of the spirit. But how do you use it? It's through confession, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Right? So confession is how we move mountains. It's a little bit different than prayer. Prayer is communication with headquarters, communication with heaven. Confession is how we attack the enemy. It's the sword of the spirit. So that's muscle number four, confession. Muscle number five was praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Now, you could split these up, but I really just didn't want to have, you know, like, 10, you know, you, you could individualize all of these. You could have the word of God on its own, prayer on its own, fasting on its own, meditation on its own, confession on its own, praise on its own, that would make it six, worship on its own would make it seven, thanksgiving on its own would make it eight, generosity would make it nine, and uh, writing could be on its own could be 10, writing and journaling and remembrance. Uh, so... But I just wanted to, I, I paired some of them just so that it's easy. It's easy to remember. That, okay, there's seven of them. So five is praise, worship, and thanksgiving. And we say this is the spice of your Christian walk. It's the sweet smell, the aroma of your Christian walk. If you don't exercise this muscle of praise, worship, and thanksgiving, it's like cooking food without any spice. No one will eat it. If you if your Christian walk doesn't have praise, worship, and thanksgiving, everything else, your prayers, uh, they're just ineffect ineffective. Remember, without praise, worship, and thanksgiving, it's like cooking food without spice. It's tasteless. If anybody tests your food, they don't come back for more. Always think about it like that. So if you cook your prayers and you don't put praise, worship, and thanksgiving or your Christian walk, you don't invite the presence of the Father. He doesn't come back. Remember it says the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. So this is the only way, praise, worship, and thanksgiving is also the only way we give back to the Father directly. Praise will open the gates of your midnight hour. Remember Paul and Silas praising at midnight. Worship reveres and honors the Father and the Lord. And then Thanksgiving acknowledges that you know and understand where everything is coming from. You know, you give thanks for your breath of life. You give thanks for your abilities. You give thanks for your safety. You give thanks for your well-being, your victories. Thanksgiving says, it's not by my power. It's not by my might. But Lord, I thank you because it is, it is by your spirit. Okay. Number six, generosity. There's something about generosity. This is one of the key fundamental principles of the kingdom of heaven. Generosity activates the, probably one of the main um, workings of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said the kingdom of God uh, in, in, in Genesis, it says, as long as heaven and earth remain, uh, there will always be seed time and harvest, right? Generosity activates one of the most critical laws of the kingdom principles of giving and receiving. It, 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 when you really say the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went out to sow. Generosity is is the parable of the sower. Jesus said, "If you don't understand, if you understand the parable of the sower, you've understood 
the, how the kingdom of heaven works. So generosity, this muscle called generosity can only be exercised. I mean, exercises or puts into motion the kingdom principle of giving and receiving. Give and it shall be given back unto you. Well, what are you giving? People like to say this thing called karma. You know, karma is just from this kingdom principle, the power of the sower. You know, give. Whatever you give the ground, it gives back unto you. Whatever seed you put into the ground, the ground gives it back unto you. Give the ground seed. When you plant, essentially, when you, when you plant seeds, you're giving to the soil something. And it gives it back to you. Only it doesn't give it back to you in the same way. It's going to multiply if the soil is good. You, you, you reap what you sow. So this muscle is exercised through your kingdom generosity or outside kingdom generosity. Give and it shall be given back unto you in good measure. Press down, shaken together and running over will men give unto your bosom. When you give, there's a return you get, a harvest that comes back some 30 fold, some 60, some 100. So generosity, I am working on this one. This is so critical. So you see, the seven muscles of Christianity, sometimes, you know, I I know I say that the word of God is, is the foundation of everything. It's the core upon which all other six muscles work. But you need to exercise all of these. Otherwise, you are weak. You are weak. Paul says, when he's talking about a posture of having communion, he says, some are weak. Some are weak. He, he's talking about this is in 1 Corinthians 11. He's talking about when you, he says, let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink that cup. It says, for he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Paul even says, for if we will judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And But, but the focus here is, says, if you eat and drink unworthily, you eat and drink damnation to yourself, not discerning the Lord's body. It says, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many are asleep. So, when you go about your Christian walk and 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 you are not exercising some of these muscles for this cause you become weak and sickly among you and many are asleep which means many have prematurely died the seven muscles are very key and we shall talk about why you need to exercise all seven of these. So you can, you can, you can know the word of God, pray and fast, meditate, confess, praise, worship, and thanksgiving, right? But if you don't exercise, let's say, this muscle of generosity. If you don't give, if you're not, as the scripture says, God loves a cheerful giver. If you're not generous in your giving, whether it's time, whether it's love, whether it's affection, whatever it is, if you're not affectionate with your giving, it's almost like everything you've done up to muscle number six is fruitless. Because the only way you're going to reap the, the benefits of the word of God, prayer and fasting, meditation, confession, praise, worship, and is, is, is there comes a point when you need to exercise, show your faith by giving. And, and you can give. You give 
what are the what are the things that you can give? You can give your resources, which involves your time, your money, and yeah, you can only give your resources, which is your time and your money. Your time to do something, your money for a cause or for an offering or a tithe or um, just alms, give to the give to causes, give to all of these things. So generosity is how you give. There's some there's a proverb in scripture which says, He that gives to the poor will never lack. The Lord will pay him back. So there's so many principles, kingdom principles that are activated by your generosity. Now, seven is also like, it's it's three in one. So it's writing, journaling, and remembrance. Now, we say this is a very special, unique spiritual muscle that I think a lot of people ignore. But for me personally, this is now... I used to ignore this. I never used to put much value into writing, journaling, and remembrance. But this is a very special, unique muscle that most Christians ignore. But I'm telling you, it's like those tendons or ligaments that connect different muscles together in your body. You see how the big muscles of your body, let's say your foot, is connected to your leg? There's an Achilles there. Without your Achilles, you cannot walk. Writing, journaling, and remembrance are very key, very unique. Oh my goodness. They're very, very critical. It's almost like you could do everything else. And once again, if you don't exercise this one, you're going to have a week. You're going to have a blind spot in your Christian walk. Think about it. All throughout scripture, you keep reading this phrase, this phrase, thou shall remember the Lord thy God. Thou shall remember. Thou shall remember. And I'm starting to see everywhere in scripture as the Israelites journeyed from Egypt all through, they would always put up these stones of remembrance. Jacob did, Abraham did, Isaac did. Every time people had a significant something happen in their lives, they, they built up a stone, they put up a stone of remembrance. They put up an, an ark, they put up an altar, they, 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 they built an altar there and said, this was the first time this happened. And it was for remembrance. And this muscle of writing, journaling, and remembrance, you know, it's it's remembrance. The muscle actually in itself is remembrance. But the way but it's remembrance, writing and journaling. So how do you remember? You know, you write things down, you journal. So remembrance by writing and journaling. Every Christian, as I said in the last episode as well, needs to have their own book of remembrance. Every Christian should be a journaler. You need to practice the habit of writing things down. You need to always be writing down the things that the Lord says to you because all throughout the day, the Lord is speaking to you. So you need to remember what the Lord spoke to you. You need to remember what the Lord has done for you, you need to have a record of all these things. The only way we're able to remember um, the things that the Lord has done is because someone wrote these things down. The, the, the God, God would show up and tell you, write this down, write this down. You know, you need to write down what you're grateful for. You need to write down what you're thankful for. Because you remember these things, they, 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 they come back into your spirit. And you don't forget. And then these are the things you bring up in your in your uh, in your moments of praise, worship, and thanksgiving. 
you go back and you open your book of remembrance and you start thanking you. Thank you, Lord, for doing this. Thank you, Lord, that you did this. Thank you, Lord, that you did this. And then also you need to write down the visions God gives you because you will forget them. And this could cost you. So you need to write down visions that God gives you. You need to write down your own thoughts, uh, write down uh, the, 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 the things you're meditating about in the Word of God. You need to write down these things. That's how you capture your imagination. You write it down. You're thinking about something and you write it down. You know, you, you, you write down questions that you have for God. You write down, you write love letters to God. You write down your own songs, your own hymns, your own spiritual songs. I'm just learning that Christianity with God is, 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 he's not just someone, a date in the sky. He's, he's called the living God, the true living God. He has a heart. He has emotions. He has a spirit. This is what, how scripture defines him. How do you, when scripture says David, a man after God's own heart, how do you think David exercised this? Well, most of the Psalms are written by him. So he was always writing to God. He was always asking questions, but he wrote it down. He wrote down Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Even, even, in, even in moments of pain and despair, David was still writing Psalms. He was writing letters. He was writing, he was sending out communication and writing things down and saying, Lord, my enemies are too strong for me. Where are you? Come down. And he'll almost write down a psalm. He would say it and it will almost like he would give it to an angel to take it to the Father. If you read those psalms, it almost looks like he was literally writing a letter and handing off to someone to take it to the Father. It's insane. It's crazy. Like it's, it's, it, when you actually read through the Psalms, the way they are written, it's like, it's with intentionality. It's, it's because it's almost, there's an expectation that, that he's going to hand it off to someone who's going to take it and present it to the Lord. And also every transaction in the word, in the world is recorded or written down laws, constitution, house purchases, statements for trials, every single transaction in the world is written down. So how much more our spiritual transactions with our heavenly father? If you don't practice the habit of remembering what God has done for you or instructed you to do, you will forget. It's that simple. You will forget. God who God could have just spoken the 10 commandments and left it all at that, but where would there, there would be no record. There'll be no evidence. Everything God ever told us or everything God ever needed us to know that he has said to us, that he has done for us, that he will do for us. He always instructed someone to write it down. God, he always instructed someone to write it down. You know, God, this is very key. And this will also change how you approach scripture. When you read through scripture, read scripture as God writing to you. Scripture is God's letter or letters to you. So when you read the Bible, personalize it. Put your name there. Put I, I will, I am. Put your name there. Aaron, David, Calvin, Samuel, Sheila, Jessica, Brandon, Tolu, <laughs> um, Jordan. <laughs> Put your name in there. Because it's you you read scripture as God writing letters to you. That's how you, that's the next level of understanding scripture and how to read the Bible is you read it as his letters to you. He prepared these letters for you. And you, 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 so you come on the scene, you were born and, and there's this whole record of things that he's written to you about you. That's why the word of God is, it's powerful. It's living. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God is living because everybody can read the same passage, but it will say different things to them.
So just to reiterate, for any Christian to perform at their peak spiritual potential or peak spiritual capability, you must exercise these seven muscles. Now, someone might ask, how often should I do this? You know, if not daily, I would say at least every other day. Let us look at this example of a professional athlete. During the course of seven days, they might have days when they work on every aspect of their fitness or their game. And the days when they might set aside to work on specific muscles, especially if they notice some weakness in those areas of their fitness or some areas of their game. But without a doubt, every professional athlete will give attention to every part of their fitness or their practice or they will practice every component of their game within the span of seven days. Good athletes will do that every, every, every other day, whereas the greatest athletes will do this every day. And, and, and let's say, okay, I, you know, to some degree, we, we may not apply the same intensity and while well, of exercising all these seven muscles every day, it might not be the same intensity, but let's say you need to exercise the word of God. You need to feed on that. You need to pray every day. Now, you may not do the, 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 the long fasts every single day, but one of the ways in which I incorporate fasting is really depends on the signal that I get from my spirit. So you may not fast every month, every day, every week, but you can lower the intensity or how many hours you fast. And maybe you fast, let's say you fast breakfast. Instead of fasting the whole day, maybe you just say, no, 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 I'm just going to fast lunch or I'm going to fast dinner or I'm going to fast breakfast. Personally, how I'm learning how to do this, and it's, it's, it's really, it's very it's it's very it is really open it has really enabled me to engage the spirit more because sometimes i wake up and 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 okay let's say yeah sometimes i wake up and my spirit man is groaning is groaning because spirit talks to spirit spirit can only be exercised by spirit so you can only talk to God. God is spirit and you can only talk to him through his spirit. And it's only your spirit that can talk to God. So Romans talks about that when we pray in the spirit, our spirit groans with utterings that cannot be uttered. But with the utterings that only the spirit, the, our spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. But also Proverbs says, uh, the scripture in Proverbs says, the spirit of the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly, which means that when God wants to talk to your spirit, uh, that that he wants to talk to you, he talks to your spirit. He lights up the candle of your spirit. Likewise, there's days when I wake up or during the day or different parts of the day where my spirit starts to groan, which means it's looking to be fed by the spirit of God. So if I was going to have lunch and my spirit started to groan, I would not have lunch. But let's say if I've been, if I've already been doing, like, let's say exerting myself physically and I'm, and I'm like, okay, I really need some food. I may not eat the same portion I would normally eat. I may not eat a full plate of food. I might just have an apple or have a salad. I may not have a heavy meal. Because in that moment, I'm realizing that my spirit is groaning and it wants to communicate with the Father and I just have to give it that opportunity. Because when my spirit demands something, it's like when your body demands water. When you're thirsty, it means your body's saying, hey, hey, give me water. So when my spirit starts to groan and is thirsty, it means I have to let it have that interaction with the Father. Right? It's searching. It's this information it needs. So when prayer and fasting go hand in hand, but the way you can exercise this is that sometimes you, you take 
you, you just kind of say, I'm not going to eat this at this time of the day, or I'm going to eat less. That's how you can exercise it daily. So you're listening to the spirit. And if your spirit is fine, then sometimes I just eat as I normally would. But I'm also now trying to even take it to another degree. I'm really always now not trying to eat to 100% capacity. Before, I always used to eat until my stomach would start to hurt. You know, you know, you know, kind of how you do the thing, you eat until your belly pops out, until you really... Actually, if you eat until your belly is full, that means you're probably, you've eaten 30, probably around 30% more. You've eaten way more than you need. So the best thing to do is to eat right until you feel like, oh, there's still room in your, in your tummy. Normally that means that you are, you've eaten to the degree that you want, but I'm always trying to eat less than a hundred percent because I'm always wanting to leave room for exercise in the spirit. Why is, what does fasting really do? You see, when you eat a lot of food or every time you eat, you, you force your brain and all the brain functionality is the, the, the capacity of your brain is focused or directed to, to digestion because your digestion is now pinging the brain and saying activate this enzyme to break down this this type of food activate this activate that activate this activate that so when you when, when, when you fast and you don't eat to full capacity it means that there's a certain part of your brain functionality that you can still engage with the spirit and then meditation, I'm always, I'm trying to grow in this where I'm, I'm meditating even during the day, even if I'm doing normal stuff, I'm always making sure that my spirit is still meditating on the word of God. I'm always keeping my mind, I'm trying to keep my mind focused on, on, on hearing from the father. And these, these moments where honestly, because we're talking about the intensity that you apply to the intensity you use for exercising all these seven uh, masses of Christianity is not the same every day. These days when I need to do heavy meditation, where I just keep quiet. From the moment I wake up, I don't say anything to anybody until around 2 p.m. But I'm still working and doing what I have to do. But I'm 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 re really reserved, and some other times it's a complete shut off, where I'm just quiet and I'm meditating and 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 I'm and I'm really pondering what God is saying to me and I'm thinking and I'm thinking and I'm, I'm my spirit is meditating on the word and I'm getting revelation knowledge and it's coming back into my mind and now it comes back into my mind as revelation in revelation and I'm trying to apply it to some of the things I'm going through to some of the things I have to do I'm I'm really pressing in so you don't it's not like every day you exercising all these muscles to the same intensity and then there's other times when I have to go heavy on, on confession. Let's say if I'm battling a, 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 a symptom, let's say sickness is trying to come on me, and I'm and I'm saying no, I'm not, I'm not gonna fall, I'm not gonna give in, I'm not gonna fall sick. So how do I fight that sickness? I have to fight it with confession, and I keep saying, by His stripes I'm healed. I resist pain. I resist this. I resist this. I resist this. And I'm confessing the word and confessing around the clock i'm confessing about my health and or sometimes the spirit can reveal to you that 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 the enemy has planted an obstacle somewhere nearby or the enemy is trying to attack you in a certain area of your life and so when you get into confession you start to confess scripture you start to 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 attack the enemy with the word of god i'm confessing and making bold declarations about my life about my kids about my future wife, about all of these things. I'm, 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 I'm these seasons, sessions where uh, I may feel led to exercise this for about two hours, bold confessions. And then these moments when my spirit just wants to be in the presence of the Father. 
that I just want to praise, worship, and give thanks. That I and I can and I and I might even do that for a whole day. I might even dedicate a week to doing that. So, but we all what we're talking about here is that the intensity doesn't have to be the same every day. These days when I might just sit down and do a whole bunch of writing and write for like six hours, maybe half the day, I'm just writing. Not just about podcasts and stuff, but I'm journaling and I'm writing and I'm and I'm and I'm cut the, the imaginations that I'm getting, the visions that I'm getting from the Lord. I'm writing these things down and I'm and then I'm meditating on them. And then so there's a way in which you can exercise all this, all these muscles every day. And let's say if you're going into a meeting, you might you might be going to work and you, you're not gonna spend three hours confessing the word of God, but you know, you're getting to a meeting. And you take authority of the meeting. Let's say you 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 you're feeling tired. It's only two o'clock, but you're feeling exhausted, and you need a, a, a like a boost of energy. So you have to confess. My youth is renewed like the egos. You know, you you have to engage confession because you're attacking the enemy all throughout the day based on you know the kind of activity you're doing. So. The, the, the point is, there's a way in which we can exercise these muscles. Sometimes it might call for intensity on specific muscles for more periods, for longer periods of time. Whereas there is other moments where you can just just exercise them at a, at, at a low intensity. You know, the intensity is not the same every day, but you keep all your muscles engaged. There's, you know, pre, there's, there's a new advancement when it comes to physiotherapy and, and fitness before people would completely shut down their bodies because they'll think that's the best way to recover was to do nothing you know but now there's also this form of of of, of recovery called active recovery what active recovery is 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 that you you bring down the intensity down to like 10 percent or 20 percent so you're not doing all your exercises at 100% or 120% or the intensity is really low. But the point is that you're still engaging the muscles of your body daily. You're never really completely shutting them down. In fact, what's also very interesting is that, it, uh, that there's some athletes, you hear that they wear these uh, recovery suits but those recovery suits that they wear, even when they go to bed, have in them vibration. The vibration is to keep those muscles stimulated and blood flowing, because whenever blood is flowing, blood is the lifeblood of your body, right? Although water, your body is, 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 is like 70% uh, water, but life, uh, the, the, the blood carries everything in your body. So when the muscles are kept when they're activated when you keep them stimulated it means that there's always blood flowing through every muscle and 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 wherever the blood flows recovery happens faster so there's this thing called active recovery it's, it's just even when you're not training you just bring down the intensity and even when you're not doing anything you're just wearing your recovery suit but it still has vibrations it's still stimulating your body now paul talks about this remember we're saying great athletes will train every day even if it's to a lower intensity paul talks about this in first corinthians chapter 9 i'm i'm gonna just read a couple of uh, translations here and you'll see what i mean First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. This is from the Living Bible. I love what this says. It says, in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. To win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that will keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes all through this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup but we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. 
So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants to. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit and ordered to stand aside. Do you, do you listen to that? I, I, treat it, I treat my body roughly, I punish it. I train it to do what it should, not what it wants to. You see, I train it to do what it should, not, not what it wants to. So my body wants to eat, but I say, no, 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 no. The spirit is asking that it needs time to, to communicate with the spirit of the father. So I'm not going to give you a full plate of food. I'm just going to give you half or a quarter of the portion you would normally eat. That's why my, my eating schedule has been messed up because sometimes my spirit just demands some isolation. It's like, we don't put food in this body right now. We need vital information from the spirit of God. So I'm like, okay, no lunch. Okay. But in the Amplified, I, you listen to what it says in the Amplified. It says, do you not know that in a race all, all, all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Verse 25. Now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wrath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I discipline it by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit. Not stand the test. Be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. As Christians, we need to do this. And when you listen to it in the puff in, in the in, in the passion translation, it also paints a different picture that, that I really love. This is what it says. It says. Isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win, but only one receives the victor's prize? Yet each one of you must run the race to be victorious. We should be focused on running this Christian walk to be victorious, not to just get by. A lot of Christians just want to, you know, come up, third place, fourth place, fifth place. A lot of Christians just want to, man, as long as I've made it to heaven. Making it to heaven is just the stage one of your salvation package. We must run this Christian walk to be victorious in every area of our lives. We any area of our lives that we're being defeated by Satan, we should say no. That's why we need to exercise all these seven muscles daily. Because we should have the intent to be victorious in every area of our lives. Everything. Spirit, soul, body. Financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically. We should be victorious in every race of our lives. Anyway, it goes on to say, verse 25. A true athlete will be disciplined in every aspect. That goes back to exercising all the seven muscles. A true athlete will be disciplined in every, in every respect. Practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers. But we run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. For that reason, I don't run just for exercise or box like one throwing aimless punches. But I train like a champion athlete. I subdue my body and get under it control. I get it under control so that after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified. 
You see, if you exercise all these seven muscles daily, frequently, it's inevitable that you'll be victorious. When you're victorious, when you start preaching the gospel, it's more effective because people can see the fruit and the results in your own personal life. So Paul here is pretty much saying to us that spiritual training is much more a necessity than the kind of physical training professional athletes go through to win a crown that perishes. Why is spiritual training much more a necessity and should even be more intense than physical training? Because spiritual warfare is much more dangerous than sports. The stakes of spiritual warfare are way higher and can't even be compared to sports. Because losing a sports game or a tournament might cost you the trophy, but losing a spiritual battle could cost you your destiny or it could even cost you your life. The stakes of spiritual warfare are much higher and even much more dangerous. The stakes are higher than sports. When you lose a sports game or a tournament, it might cost you a trophy. But when you lose a spiritual battle, it could cost you your destiny. And even worse, it could cost you your life. Seller. This was episode six of the Christian Checklist series. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 24 to 27, that the stakes and rewards of spiritual warfare are higher than sports. Spiritual training is much more a necessity than the kind of physical training professional athletes go through because spiritual warfare is much more dangerous than sports. You see, losing a sports game might cost you a trophy, but losing a spiritual battle might cost you your destiny and worse, it could cost you your life. So in the next episode, we'll continue expounding on each of the seven masters of Christianity. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.
creeping through the city. German engineering, white on black, it's looking pretty, yeah. Reminiscing when my joints didn't fit me. They was hand me downs, but now the chest they hand me down. They help me win a Grammy now. I'm blacking out, stock going up, ain't flattin' out. Damn like how I be acting out. They playin' far, they hacking out. That's okay, I cut the grass and let the snake show. Man, my circle like a peephole. Gave the studio a break, but I'm back making hits. They should hire me a Pringle. I been stacking my chips, about to give it away. Then go get it again. I ain't worried about nothing. I been clocking in. Yeah. And I gotta keep it honest, don't want no problems. I tell them we just getting started. No way to stop it. I got my blessings from my God. Ain't no way to block it. Yeah, I'm punching on the record, man. I feel like Ollie. I put in work. Okay, I'm clocking in. 